Hello, welcome to your Friday footy news fix on the NRL podcast. I'm Zach Bailey, joined once again by Dan Walsh. It's uh, lunchtime on Friday, ahead of uh, two sudden death semifinals this weekend, Walshy. I cannot wait because from now on until October 3, the grand final, whoever loses, see you later, champ. Easily the best time of the year, Zach. Birds are singing, sun's out, footy sudden death. What more do you want? Well, depending if you're uh, a Manly fan or a Roosters fan, you'll obviously be wanting your team to win tonight. But if you're a neutral, you just want uh, great games of footy. Two games, Manly and the Roosters and then the Panthers and the Eels. We'll preview them shortly. But a couple of other things we want to touch off first, uh, the latest contract news. Now, Walshie, we've mentioned him every single episode, it feels like. Uh, Tyrone Peachy, you said ahead of uh, the Roosters-Titans elimination final. If he had a great game, he might secure his future with the Titans. It was followed up by a release from the Titans this week saying mm. Tyrone Peachy's leaving the club, so he clearly didn't do enough. Well, when you're right 52% of the time, mate, you're wrong 40, 48% of the time. You're good at maths uh, I'll, too. I'll, yeah, yeah, well, I'll, uh, I'll wear that one absolutely. Uh, not to say Tyrone didn't have a, didn't have a decent game. He was, um, yeah, it, like... To be fair, it was a cracking game all over that, uh, and right across the, the first week of the finals with some great footy. But yeah, Tyrone, I don't think he did himself any, um, you know, any real disservice there. But the Titans, obviously, with uh, you know Jaden Campbell and AJ Brimson there in the halves, Jamal Fogarty, yeah, they've just got a bit of an embarrassment of riches. And so, yeah, Tyrone is on the market. Uh, the Raiders have come out during the week and said they're, uh, you know, they're looking. At a, as, as you would, player of interest. Uh, it's basically, he'll certainly end up somewhere in the NRL. He's too good not to. Um, I expect maybe a one-year deal, one of the, maybe a, uh, a 12-month holding pattern, I guess, just to kind of keep him basically at a point in his career where it is almost not so much make or break, but it is a real sort of crossroads to Tyrone because after, you know, another season, if he's in this same sort of boat, it might be Super League for him. But I expect to see him somewhere in the NRL. Canberra's put their hand up early and could see him fitting down there. Their recruitment scout, Peter Mulholland, big fan of his. And, yeah, it sounds like Ricky Stewart is as well. So their first came off the ranks. There's Parramatta there as well. I'm not sure if that one's progressed too much further than where it was reported uh, about three or so weeks ago. But... Yeah, Tyrone Peachy, um, I imagine over the next few weeks, that one will firm up a little bit. But yeah, where he goes, uh, yeah, hard to say at the moment. But he will be somewhere in the NRL, I expect. Okay, so if he ends up uh, with Ricky Stewart at the Raiders, I know they don't really have a number seven at the moment, but I can't, I don't know, can you see him and Jack Whiten playing alongside each other each and every week in the halves? And if no, not, no, it would... you've got Tom Starling on the bench. Unless... Josh Hodgson, is he still, is he going? What's what's happening there? There's Well, these are the questions that all get asked and I couldn't give you a firm answer any which way beyond the fact that, no, Tyrone's not being looked at as a halfback. They uh, Basically because, as you said, he and Jack Whiten, similar sort of players, similar sort of strengths. And so they're still looking for a game-managing halfback. That's what they want. There's not a hell of a lot of them on the market. So, no, what they're looking at Tyrone as is that ball-playing um, you know, utility sort of player. And the thing is, though, uh, the difference in the game at the moment is there is more scope to carry you know, one or two little men on the bench. We're seeing Melbourne doing it absolutely fantastically. 
yes, Brian and Smith is a great, you know, he's the point of difference and plays as a middle forward and allows them to do that. But there's blokes in that Canberra side that that could potentially shift into that sort of role. Josh Hodson, he's been quite, he was quite effective as a, you know, smaller 13 shifting when when uh, Tom Starling came on. So I don't think it's as hard as far, hard and fast as you can only play one little man on your bench these days. And I think that's what Canberra's, Canberra might be looking at as well with Tyrone. Yeah, great insight. I agree with that. Uh, expect more little men on the bench moving forward in 2022. Uh, as part of that uh, release uh, from the Titans last week, the statement uh, of uh, players leaving, Ash Taylor's name was also on the list. So obviously yeah. uh, his contract with the Titans was talked about whether he had a good game or a bad game because he was part of that million-dollar price tag um, player that, you know, if, as soon as you earn seven figures, then if you have a great game, it's like, well, here he is, he's back. And if he doesn't, it's like, well, is he worth the money? So uh, where does he end up in the NRL and on what kind of money could he expect given that he hasn't established himself as one of the leading number sevens in the game in recent years? Uh, I think... Um... Sorry, we're on to Ash now, aren't we? Sorry, getting confused. But uh, no, I think uh, all and sundry know that Ash Taylor, a million dollars is not him. That's he, he knows that very much. And yeah, there's suggestions that it will drop down to about $250,000, $300,000, which is about his market value, I think. Uh, and so this week, uh, reports of him meeting with the Warriors, which is interesting in terms of their scrum base. Obviously, they've got Sean Johnson going across... The, uh, going home next year. But uh, the element that fits a little bit for Ash Taylor is the Warriors are going to be based out of Redcliffe next year. And Ash is a Gold Coast boy, obviously won't be at the Gold Coast. You, you know, Broncos is also looking unlikely, but uh, yeah, the chance to stay in Queensland, that's a real fill-up for, uh, you know, for a Queensland boy who um, would like to stay you know, at home. So... Yeah, the Warriors meeting with him is an interesting one. Uh, also, because they've got Chanel Harris-Tavita there, but uh, he's also indicated that he'll go to market as of November 1. So there's a li few little bits and pieces there moving around the Warriors scrum base. Nothing set in stone. It's a bit like the Canberra situation, but everyone's sort of looking at their options a little bit. And so, yeah, it's, an in it's interesting in that they're, they're uh, looking at Ash Taylor as well. And what about Cody Nicarima as well? Because, I mean, there was talk at some stage there that he wasn't going to remain with the club, um, even though he's uh, contracted for 2022. So there's some big decisions to make when it comes to the Warriors. And as you said, their scrum base, who they hold on to and uh, whether they recruit someone like Ash Taylor. Well, yeah, and Cody, similar sort of boat as well. He was looking to return to Queensland on personal grounds. Uh, I believe he's had a, uh, just had a bub with his missus. And so they were looking to get home closer to family. Obviously, playing out of Redcliffe, uh, you know, does that just organically. But I don't think we'll see Cody Nicarima in their scrum base. Uh, I think he's been picked as a utility or a nine now, which I think is actually his best position. That's been, you know, uh, moved around a lot over the years. But I've always seen him as a utility bench bench player. And so, uh, yeah, Cody's taken up his player option for next year. But, there's yeah, there's a few moving pieces there at the Warriors as they should be as well when they haven't made the finals for a couple of years. And yeah, there's been all sorts of upheaval there. Not, not a hell of a lot of it through their own, through COVID and whatnot. But uh, yeah, one to watch in terms of what Nathan Brown does with his playmakers over the summer.
I totally agree that Cody Nicarima plays his best footy when he is that utility mm. option off the bench, but he left Brisbane to not be that option. He wanted to be a starter, whether it be nine, six or seven. And he's ended up in this utility role. Anyway, we've got to move on uh, from another player, from all those playmakers in Ash Taylor, Tyrone Peachy, Nicarima, et cetera. Uh, Mitchell Pearce. Now, he's been one of the most talked about halfbacks throughout his whole career, but especially in recent weeks, uh, the Knights made their second straight final series for the first time, I believe, since it was the early 2000s in 18 or so years. So uh, he did a great job there. He's been injured for a fair bit of the season. But is, is he going to remain in Newcastle, do you think? Uh, yeah, well, first off, I'd expect, yeah, Piercy's no no stranger to the headlines and the talk and the chatter. Uh, I expect that to continue over the next over the coming months because it just doesn't go away at the moment. Uh, so obviously got them into the finals and by all, you know, he'd be the first to admit, didn't have his greatest game in the loss to Parramatta. It was the Kalen Ponga show, that one, and almost got them across the line. But the interesting thing for Mitchell is, all the conversations I've had with Knights types is that they well and truly want him there for 2022. And the indication from Mitchell's camp is he wants to be in Newcastle. The, diff, the uh, I guess the curveball, so to speak, is it is a one-year contract that he signed at the start of the year. It was for lesser money. And so where things get murky is the suggestion that other clubs will offer can or you know could come in with Two to three years offer, two to three year offers, which you know naturally, if you're Mitchell Pearce, you have to consider at least because it offers uh, security, and so yeah, it's really a case of I think who blinks first in this, or whether there is just the faith from Mitchell that he can stay, he can uh, perform his way into a new deal beyond 2022 at the start of next year. But uh, I believe he's about 32. He's, he's a fit man. He's Rarely missed a hell of a lot of football until this year with uh, a, a pec injury. So, yeah, it is a wait and see one again, as a few of these things are. But, yeah, there's a few clubs keeping him on their radar, as you would. And, yeah, the I think the ball's in Mitchell's court as far as whether he's willing to take, take the one year and back himself or if someone puts a better offer in front of him. And then, yeah, he'd have to consider that. Okay, so from your understanding, will Mitchell Pearce remain in the NRL? Because he's been thrown big money from Catalans in the Super League as well, which is a spot you'd seen, you know, you've seen Jimmy Maloney and the like go over there. He's, he'd thrive in that environment, but it's whether or not he's still got more to give here. Yeah, and if anyone was going to sell Catalans to, uh, to Mitchell Pearce, it'd be his great mate, Jimmy Maloney, because, yeah, peas in a pod as far as that lifestyle and that type of footy is concerned. But, yeah, Mitchell's a competitive man. I think he would see himself still willing to give, uh, you know, still with more to prove in the NRL. I think it might be a case of how his body goes over the preseason. But at the moment, so I'd see him taking a step away for the moment, clearing his head and, yeah, coming back and trying to prove himself, like, you know, trying to really crack on come November in the preseason. But, yeah, it's really an interesting one because it could really go either way. Uh, personally, I think he's got a bit more to give in the NRL. I think the Super League will be there for him in a year's time with Catalan or whoever it is. So, yeah, and this is just my feeling. I reckon he'd stay for at least, yeah, at least the duration of this deal and back himself to um, keep going in the NRL for the moment. Okay. 
Time to move on, uh, Dan, to semi-final footy. Kicks off with Manly against the Roosters. 2013 grand finalists face off in a final for the first time since then. Before we get to the actual match and get your opinion on it, Dylan Walker. Now, obviously, he's had his issues off-field in the past and uh, it looks like for now he's put those behind him because he's playing great footy as that utility Mm. option off the bench, we've seen Benji Marshall play a similar role um, at times with the with the Rabbitohs. But that link man in the middle takes a bit of pressure off Jake Trebojevic in the middle and even the halves and links up well with that left side attack of, you know, Trebojevic and Parker and uh, Garrick scoring thousands of tries on the left-hand side for Manly. Um, will he be a seagull long-term, do you think? Uh, yeah, I believe so. There's a two-year offer there from Manly. It has been there on the table for a while, is the only thing. But, uh, yeah, I struggle to see where Dylan plays better footy, if, if that makes sense. I think he's got a good thing going with the likes of Daly Cherry Evans and Tom and Jake Trebojevic in that utility 13 you know, role that you speak of. So uh, indications are that once the season's done, they were going to come back to the talks there. And I think, with, as far as I know, I don't know of uh, other clubs circling him at the moment. I'm sure he's created some interest because he's, uh, he's playing some great footy, but I believe Manly's still a front runner there. And I think you'll see him stay. But uh, the, I guess the, the one concern is that offer has been there for a while. But uh, yeah, for the moment, a bit of a holding pattern with these teams in finals contention, um, as it should be. Okay, with the Roosters, a couple of big names join even bigger names in their unavailable list. Cordner Friend, Kiri, Manu, Collins, Morris, Suwali, Billy Smith, and now this week, Siwa Tokayaho out with a calf injury, Sam Verrill suspended for two weeks. Are they any chance against Manly? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How, how could you write them off given that list and what they've done all season? Uh, you know, you've, you've still got very... A pretty handy team when you've got the likes of James Sadesco and Angus Crichton shoring them up. Um, I really like the uh, the left edge battle that's going to go on between you know that. Uh, it's hard to say Tom Trebojevic has a favoured side given he's just everywhere, but I I love the idea of him trying to unpick the veteran Josh Morris. Mm. Uh, that's going to be great fun I think to watch tonight. Uh, but I see Manly winning, but yeah, I don't think you can't rule the Roosters out as no chance at all because they just keep going. It's incredible. So the Roosters started their season in round one with a 46 to four win over Manly. So Manly have come a long way since that night, but the Roosters have overcome even more adversity. So I guess it all comes down to operation stop Tom Trebojevic, who doesn't have two quiet games in a row. His touches were down by 15. So he averages 35 touches in a game down to 20 against Melbourne. Uh, a big in for Manly, Lachlan Croker, who's only missed one game of footy all year, which was last week. Uh, I'm with you. I think Manly will be too strong in the battle of the big birds there. Then this, Saturday night semi-final footy, it doesn't really get much bigger than this, given their rivalry. It, it's, it's really disappointing that they can't be facing off in the western heartland of Sydney, the Panthers against the Eels. But I cannot wait for this one. Now, as for the Eels, they found themselves in this position, I believe, four out of the last five years. And Brad Arthur, their coach, spoke this morning. He is over, absolutely over all the talk about the Eels being finals chokers. Oh, you know, I'm sick of talking about last year and what happened last year. There's, there's circumstances or there's excuses, whatever, whatever way you want to look at it. At the end of the day, we're, in the last five years, 
we've made the week two, four out of those five years. So there must be something that we're doing right. You know, there's not a lot of clubs. There's only a handful of clubs that have that have done that. Yeah, we've got aspirations like every other team to go further. It's not as easy as, as it looks. So yeah, Brad Arthur, Dan, he's fired up. But when I was going through the stats, they have been successful in recent years in terms of getting to weeks one and two of the finals, but they haven't gone into week three of an NRL final series since 2009 when they made that incredible run through to the grand final and lost to the Melbourne Storm. So it has been a long time between drinks when it comes to Parramatta in prelim finals. Yeah, absolutely. I was just remembering where I was when that <laughs> happened. New Zealand, uh, yeah, getting uh, yeah free drinks off Parramatta fans, as it were. So I'd love to see them back there. I bet uh, you would. <laughs> whether they will, I, I honestly, I can't see them upsetting that Penrith team again. I think the Penrith South game, I think that was a real wake-up call for, for the Panthers. In terms of that young team, how they prepared, they've admitted that uh, all the mind games from Wayne Bennett, uh, he's caught out, you know, plenty over the years, but the likes of Jerome Luai and that have admitted that they focus too much on Blake Taft. They focus too much on Nathan Cleary and whatnot. And I think that team over the past two years has proven they're too good to let that thing happen again. A bit like Tom Trebojevic. I don't think you'll see them play two, two so underwhelming games in a row. And I just... I don't see Parramatta having that extra gear to go with them. So, yeah, the the implications of a Parramatta loss will be a cranky a cranky Brad Arthur. Maybe not straight away, but uh, he's going. I think he's going to have to put up with a bit more speculation and a bit more focus on this finals record because how can you not when yeah when it when the stats are bearing out at what would that be like a twenty percent win rate in in the finals. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just the way it is and it's the way it'll go if they lose. I just have to correct you there, Dan. You said a cranky Brad Arthur. I'll say a crankier Brad Arthur. No, he's all right. He was okay this morning. He said he wasn't frustrated, but he, he just knows that the talk is there. And I guess, as I said, he's well and truly over it. Um, a boost for the Eels. Ryan Madison is back on the bench. Brad Arthur said he's going to play a fair bit of the footy uh, tomorrow night, Saturday night in the middle of the field, which is different to the role he's been mm. playing all year. He started all 16 games that he's played in on the edge. So uh, he's a big body. He could hold himself there, but maybe that'll allow someone like, you know, Isaiah Papali'i to play more time on the edge. I'm not too sure. Um, a couple of big ins for the Panthers. We're expecting Dylan Edwards and Moses Leota to be back. Leota's a massive in given. It takes a bit of pressure off James Fisher-Harris. The Panthers can have that one-two punch through the middle, make the Eels a little bit weaker around the ruck, and then from there, the likes of Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai can uh, work their magic. Just on that, the sevens. I mean, Cleary against Moses, rightfully so, will get a lot of the headlines. But Dylan Brown and Jerome Luai, that's intriguing because both of those players haven't been at their best. Who wins this battle and why? Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, and you're absolutely right. Uh, I saw, yeah, Jerome Luai pre-origin and post-origin. He's not the first player to have a downturn after after a successful origin series, but probably surprising in terms of, uh, I guess, just the consistency that he's hit over the last 18 months. And then he's dropped away quite extensively. But I'll back him in against this Parramatta team uh, for one of the other inclusions that you mentioned there before, Dylan Edwards. I think he's a big part of this Penrith team and you hear Nathan Cleary talk about him. There's a little bit of a concept, uh, 
he's not a top tier fullback. I think most people realise that in terms of, yeah, hard to keep up with the likes of Trebojevic and Tedesco and Pappenhausen. But Dylan Edwards adds a lot to that team. And I think he takes, uh, I think he makes the halves feel quite comfortable knowing that he's there on the inside, knowing that he's talking the entire time. And they've come through the grades together. And that that level of comfort, I think you see with, um, that's when Jerome Luai plays his best, when he's got, you know, when he's got Nathan there, when he's got Dylan around him. And for a lot of that period after Origin, the pressure was on Jerome to lead when, when Nathan was out with his shoulder. So I think basically getting back to what he knows best and what's brought the best out of him over the last 18 months, that setup, I think will see Jerome Luai back towards his best against Parramatta tomorrow night. Okay, so Panthers and Seagulls wins for Dan Walsh. I have to agree with him there. Hopefully, they're both cracking games. Just the Tedesco-Teddy battle against Tom Trebojevic is uh, worth every cent, whether you're watching on the couch or in in person as well. Uh, I'm going to let you off the hook. No Walsh's words of wisdom this week because we've run out of time. I want double dose next week, though. I want two predictions from you heading into prelim final week. Just like the vaccine, mate. It's good for you. We'll, uh, We'll double up. A double dose of Walsh's words of wisdom. Cannot wait. Uh, thanks for tuning in to your Friday footy news fix once again. Uh, stay safe. Enjoy the finals tonight and tomorrow night. Semi-final sudden death footy. We'll be back for more fun next week.